Welcome to the Somos Church Podcast. We are so glad you're listening. This is Sergio and Beatrice, and we're the pastors here at Somos Church. We hope you feel encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. We love you. Enjoy the message. Come on, give me some noise today because you made it a church and... And God is good, and you look awesome. Can you tell your neighbor, you just look so good today. Like, not good, you look so, so good. You look so, so good today. Uh, if you're married, you're welcome, okay? If you're single, this is the same, you know, you're welcome, you're welcome. Uh, hey, you made, it, uh, you made it to church today, and I'm so glad you made it to church. Uh, are you enjoying your spring break? Uh, you got to love El Paso, right? Spring break, it snows, it's cold. It's like, really? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, but I'm so glad that we can still wear some jackets. And I love jackets. Anyone here love jackets? You just love? They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's no better place to be on a Sunday than right here. And, and it's not only like, you know, you, like you came to the right Sunday. Can you, can you tell your neighbor, this is the Sunday? This is the Sunday why, you might ask, why is this the right Sunday? And that is because uh, we are on week two of our new series called Emotional Damage. Can you say with me, Emotional Damage? <laughs> no one asks you to say it with a little you know, emotional damage. You know? <laughs> uh, but no matter what upbringing you had, no matter if your upbringing was good, if it was bad, if it was somewhere in between, I truly believe that every single one of us, we have experienced some kind of emotional damage in our life. Does someone agree with that? Like, you know, we all at some capacity, you know, we all have experienced some kind of emotional damage uh, in our lives, some hurts, some wounds, some emotional trauma some emotional damage, right? So what is emotional damage? Uh, emotional damage can be defined as any significant negative event or incident that shaped us. It can be from an impactful, impactful instance that made us feel bad, it made you feel scared, it made you feel hurt or ashamed. By this definition, we all have experienced some degree of emotional damage or trauma in the process of growing up. Welcome to Sunday Encouraging Church, right? <laughs> so, you know, this month, our prayer as a church community, uh, if you're new around here, every single month we have a new series, right? But we don't see it only as a topic uh, that we're gonna be talking through the month. The way we see it here at Somos Church is every single month is a new season that we're stepping in right? Every, every single month is a new season, is a new opportunity. So as a church community, this month we're focusing on emotional damage, right? Uh, and, and, and it's interesting, right? Because this, um, this title was inspired by TikTok, you know, uh, with this, uh, you know, video that went viral, right? Have you, who hasn't seen it? Like raise your hand, emotional damage, no? Okay, we'll pray for you guys. Someone in the room, be a good friend, and after church, show them, okay? But pretty much is this video on TikTok that it just, it pretty much moments, right, of just this, like, savage, ruthless, like, intense moment, right? Uh, like, savage. I'm talking, like, savage, like, and then this guy comes up. It's like, emotional damage, you know? And it's funny, and we laugh, right? And it's viral, and I've laughed, and it just, like, shows you my horrible heart that we laugh at people's damage, you know? And we're like, ha, 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 he's suffering, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but isn't that a reflection sometimes in how we deal with emotional damage, right? Like, something horrible happens to you. Like, something really bad, right? And, and it's almost like, how do you process that? Like, what do you do with that, right? Like, some of us, we laugh and we become sarcastic, right? Some of us, we just kind of like become like stone wall, like cold people, show no emotion. Like, some of us, we cry, some we don't cry. Like, the way we deal with emotional damage is like so different depending on who you are right? Uh, but it's so interesting to me 
that with this video, right, like, it's funny, right? Like, it's just funny. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever, like, been around a group. Maybe it's just my family. Uh, but, but, you know, you talk about certain things in your upbringing, and they're so ridiculous, and you just laugh with them, right? And you're like, does anyone here have that kind of environment with your family? Like, you just are savages, man. If someone were to come in into your, you know, table, you would be like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you were beaten as a kid all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, do you remember that time mom didn't pick you up at school? <laughs> you know, like all these like horrible things and we just make light uh, about it, right? So, so my prayer is this month is that we would all go into this process of having a healthier perspective a godly perspective in how to heal our emotional damage, right? So come on, tell your neighbor, emotional damage. Today's message, I'm calling it Stuck in Between, Stuck in Between. Uh, a month ago, I went to a conference, really awesome conference, and, and I, you know, don't judge me, but every single time that I go to the airport, I take a flight, like, you're there, like, you show up a couple of hours earlier, right, and you go through the whole process, and there you're just sitting waiting for a plane for, like, an hour, right? So my logical, intelligent self has decided, like, from a, a while back till today, I don't need to show up two hours earlier. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just there sitting down for, like, like you know, like, what are you doing there? Just sitting down and it water so overpriced. You know, it's just like, okay. Uh, so anyhow, I was in this conference. I was in Phoenix. And, 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 and this time, this is the interesting part. This time I showed up like four hours before my flight left, okay? Because like I, I was like with some family and they dropped me off at the airport. They were driving. Uh, so I was there four hours earlier. It never happens. Like, I'm never even too, I show up, like, just on time, you know? Uh, so anyhow, I'm four hours earlier. I'm one terminal. Out of nowhere, you know, it's time to go. And when I'm about to go, uh, this, like, shuttle thing that takes you from terminal to terminal is broken down. So you, I need to, like, physically go completely outside of the airport, take a shuttle, to go to the right terminal. It's this big thing, but I, I have time, right? I have time, it's good. So I go and get outside, and I'm a little bit upset because I need to walk a lot, and I don't like walking a lot, you know. <laughs> I go outside, and I'm standing where you need to, like, get that shuttle, right? And I'm there standing, and I see the shuttle coming, and I'm like, okay, great. And I see it's not stopping, and I'm stopping, and I'm like, boom, you know, like, what? And I was the only one there, you know, it's just like, I'm offended by this, you know, like, but okay, I have time, right? So, it's like, I start asking around, hey, is this the right spot? Like, yeah, you're in the right spot. And like, the shuttle didn't stop. Like, oh, I don't know what's up, you know, like, anyhow, I'm there waiting, you know, time goes by, shuttle starts coming, and I see it, and I'm like, he's stopping this time, so I'm like, you know, same thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I, I, I don't know where I'm like, okay, now I'm in trouble because, you know, time's like, yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? I start walking. It's like, dude, are you sure this is this? Is there any other shuttle? Like, what the heck? And, and she's like, yeah, that's a spot. It's like, he's taking time. The guy didn't stop. You know, I start arguing with everyone. The cop there is just like, no, man, that's not my job, you know, like. Third time I'm there, and I'm like, you know, same thing. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, you know, I'm in trouble now. So I just start getting anxious, like, man, like, I'm going to lose a flight, and my wife is going to kill me. She's at home with three kids, and I'm here at the airport, you know? And, and I, I, I mean, I start running for, like, the car rental shuttles, like, asking everyone for a ride. I mean, I'm just going from one terminal to another, you know? And I'm like, come on, dude, the... the terminal, you know, three times, like, the shuttles didn't stop, and no one wants to help me, and I start getting really upset and frustrated, because I'm feeling like I am stuck here, like, no one wants to help me, the shuttle, you know, doesn't stop, and the way the airport is, like, it's like a long, long walk to get to the right terminal, 
So I get really frustrated. I go to a, a taxi there and I'm like, hey man, like how much from here to? Like literally, it's in the same airport. He's like 20 bucks. I'm like, bro, like help me out, man. Like it's just, he's like, ah, get away. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I'm so upset. I'm, I start to blame the CEO of the airport, the shuttle driver, the taxi cab company, and I'm just upset. And I go running fourth time for that shuttle and doesn't stop again. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend 20 bucks on a cab, but I'm about to lose my flight. I go running. I go with this taxi. Like, okay, dude, you know, take me 20 bucks and 20 bucks, guys, you know, for like a one minute drive. Anyhow, I need to forgive, right? I'm a pastor. Uh, <laughs> so I get to the terminal and I'm running, right? I get to the security gate check thing and I, I get there and it's closed. And they're like, oh, like gate closed, security gate closed, go to the other one on the opposite side. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? The one time that I am four hours early to an air, like, I'm going to lose my flight today? You know, like, I've been, guys, I've been, like, seconds from, like, them closing the door. And the time that I'm four hours early, that's when I'm going to lose a flight. I go running, and in my mind as I'm running, I'm like, I, like, I, I need to look for the 1-800 number for this airport. This airport is so poorly designed. Like, I'm just blaming absolutely anyone and the engineers, architects. Like, who is this? Like, you know, who built this thing? You know, are you kidding me? And, and I'm blaming everyone and everything, right? Because I am a victim of this bad system, you know, and I get to the security game. I'm, you know, I go by, I'm running, running, like running to the gate. My flight left, I don't know, at like 11.10. I get to my gate like at 11.01. And literally as I'm running, I see the airplane there. I'm like, thank God. They close the door and I like, I get there like right. And I'm like, ma'am, like, Da, 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 the airport, the this, the that, and American Airlines, do you suck? Okay. <laughs> and the, the lady literally just goes behind the counter. I'm just explaining my whole life and emotional trauma and damage and how stuck I'm going to be because this is a night flight and I'm there at the counter and she's just prints a boarding pass like his for tomorrow. I'm like, and walks away. So now I have problems with the airport, CEOs, architects, engineers. Now I add to that list of who am I going to call a customer service, you know, to American Airlines. What customer service, like horrible. And I sit down, man, for a second and it, it just hits me how like I'm literally the only one in this whole airport it feels like. And it's like, man, I am just like, I felt so hurt. And again, I, I kind of recognized God was doing something deeper than just like the situation, you know? Because I felt so upset. I felt everyone was wrong. I was wrong. I didn't even get a voucher for a free meal, you know? Like nothing. <laughs> I ended up booking this overpriced hotel, and it looked like I was going to be shot in that hotel room. <laughs> like, like, it was scary. But anyhow, I'm there, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? And it just dawned on me how, like, a whole lot of those emotions and feelings that I was feeling throughout this whole story were just a reflection of something that was happening internally. Can I encourage you today that in your life, we might think that a lot of the external stuff, like that's the problem, but there's something within that God's trying to show you that if you really pay close attention, you'll recognize how you deal with the emotional hurts, big or small, represents the way you have dealt with things maybe for a long time. And I recognized in that moment, man, I'm always blaming everyone except for myself. 
I'm always giving power to my hurts to everyone else except for me. And today, you know, I just want to encourage you and shine a light on the, the, the emotional trauma, the emotional damage, the baggage that we carry dictates so much of who we are and what we do in life. That, that today, maybe, maybe today, you might feel that something is holding you back. Today, you might feel that something is holding you back in life. And if today you, you dare to be a little bit honest and vulnerable with yourself, and you recognize, right, that today there's something stopping you in your life, and you might point at your financial status and be like, that's it. You might like, look at your job and you can be like, it's because of my job. It's because of my boss. It's because of my upbringing. It's because of my parents. It's because of my wife. It's because of my singleness. We can point at something and we feel and we are sure that that something is the thing that is holding us back. Like, there's no doubt, like, the CEO of this, like, airport sucks. Like, you're sure it's a fact, right? Like, how can everything be so disorganized at an airport? You're sure it's a fact. But could it be that it might be something from within that is holding you back? Could you dare to be open to the possibility that your financial status is not what's holding you back? Could you be open to the possibility that maybe those hurts and wounds that were done to you is not why you have been held back? Could it be at school that it's not that teacher or that person? Could it be that it's not because X, Y, or C that you feel that something is holding you back? Could it be that it, there's some things in your heart that haven't healed that is holding you back? Can you perceive in your attitude? Can you perceive in your attitude? Can you take a look at your attitude that maybe that there's something in your attitude that, that is not allowing you for you to fully enjoy, to fully grow, to fully embrace better things in your life? Come on, can you really take a look at your attitude? How you deal with situations, how you deal with good and bad, like, what is it inside of you? Can you perceive, sense, take a look and into your relationships, friendships, dating? Can you take a look in your friendships and see how maybe there's something inside of you holding you back to grow, uh, to growing in those relationships? That in your marriage, there's something that you know, you love your spouse, but there's something, there's something that doesn't allow you to be the fully you. You want to say, you want to be expressive, you want to affirm, and you want to be kind with your words, but it's not who you are. You think about it, you express it in different ways, but there's something holding you back. Could it be in your Friendships, that there's something holding you back and having better friendships. You, you know, like, it's the same thing over and over again. You want something different, but there's something that keeps you attached to those friendships and your professional life. Do you sense that, man, there, there has to be more, right? And not necessarily another job, or yes, another job, but, but there's something holding you back in your finances. You, you feel this pulling, and you think it's because of your professional career. You think it's because it's your line of work. There's something holding you back, and I believe that those things that are holding us back in absolutely every single area of our lives are those emotional damage, those emotional wounds. I believe if you really take a look in every area of your life, you can, you can almost track down like this line back to those hurts. And it's almost like an anchor. And, and I'm not talking about an anchor. The Bible talks about an anchor, right? That it's the hope that we have in Jesus, like an anchor for us, right? But this is a different kind of anchor. It's something that tracks back down to a hurt. And that hurt is like an anchor. And you're able to move. You're trying and you come to church and you invest in yourself and you read 
self-help books and you read the Bible every now and then and you pot, like you're trying, right? But there's something that's just like keeping you bound. Like it almost feels like you, you can only grow to a certain extent. And it's this anchor that feels like it's always pulling you. Even if you're running, even if you're trying it, it, it just keeps you stuck. Even as you're trying to do the best at home, the best in your relationships, that you're trying to do the best in absolutely every single area of your life, but you feel this anchor pulling you. And the thing that is so hard about this anchor is that it just seems like it never goes away. Like you try to like, Jesus, come and heal me and take this anchor off, but it's kind of like there. You feel better for a little bit, you know, but it's like at some point you feel it there again. You feel stuck again. And it's, and it's really interesting because this anchor, it becomes so familiar to us. You recognize that thing pulling you like for, for a long time. You can track, track it back to when you were little. You can track it down to different moments in your life, and it's this herd that doesn't allow you to grow. And because it's so familiar to you, it's so hard to let it go. It's so hard to just, it becomes a part of you. It starts to define us. You start to define yourself within this thing, and if it, it has like become a part of you, and it's interesting, and, it, 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 and come with me in this, right? Like, Maybe you have defined yourself as a control freak. Where am I control freak? Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> you have defined yourself as a control freak. But in reality, if you look back at where that comes from, is that anchor right there. And it has become so much a part of you that it has evolved in you as control. Like, I'm going to control the way my wife washes the dishes. And it's not because of the dishes. It is, but, you know. <laughs> but it tracks back down to some hurts and emotional damage that has had me bound in so many different ways. Can you look in your life, how have you defined yourself as? that you can track it back down. And that's the homework. That's not going to happen here in the minutes that we have together. That is the homework. How have you defined yourself as? And how can you track it back down to? You have trust issues? Well, all of my people with trust issues? Yeah. I'm just not going to make friends. I, you know, boundaries, you know, people. You know how people roll nowadays. But if you take a look inside, you can see how that is so connected to that anchor of some emotional damage that you have. Where are my OCD people at? <sighs> Same thing. Yeah, you love organized things, but it's way more than that. It's way more than that. You can track it back down to some herds and wounds that have evolved into your life, and they have become a part of your identity. They have become a part of you. If you're extrovert, where are my extroverts? Eh. <laughs> yeah, you love people. Yeah, you're wild, and yeah, you're crazy, right? But if you take a look back, there's an anchor. There's something Maybe you were a lonely child. Maybe you didn't get a lot of attention. Now as an adult, you're like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Maybe you're an introvert. I'm just an introvert. That's just who I am. Yeah, I believe. I believe it, you know, to a certain extent. But if you track it down, you can see how something happened in your upbringing that just defined you and it has become that anchor if you're super emotional like you're crying right now right like, 
I'm just emotional, you know, I cry about everything, you know. <laughs> you can track it back down to some things. If you're unemotional, you can track it back down. If you're extra friendly, like you say hi to someone and they are your new best friend, if that's you, like, sign up to be a part of our team, okay? <laughs> if you're super friendly, right, you can track it back down, and there's some things that doesn't let you uh, grow into the next level of things. If you're not friendly, if you are just always want to be around people, if you don't want to be around absolutely anyone, right, if you're a workaholic and all you love is work and there's, there's an anchor there, if you're lazy, right, like there's an anchor there, if you're competitive, right, there's something, if you are passive, there's something that we all have defined ourselves as because of an emotional hurt or wound that happened to us. The question is, right, are we going to allow that thing to define us into the next five years of your life, into the next year of your life? Are you going to allow yourself to be confined into this thing that the root was a hurt one more week? Because you feel it. You feel that tension at your job, at your work. You feel that tension like you're trying. You're trying to run away from that. You're trying to grow from that. And there's a tension there. So how do we break that tension? How do we grow from that tension, how do we reinvent ourselves? How do we reinvent ourselves? And there's one thing that I believe can be possible for you, or one thing that I believe is true today is that everything you want, everything you want, absolutely everything you want is on the other side of healing your emotional damage. Everything you want professionally, everything you want in your relationships, everything you want in God, everything you want in life is on the other side of healing those emotional wounds. Listen to me. Absolutely everything. Your financial status, the thing that you always complain about, is on the other side of healing some wounds that don't allow you to grow further into the best that God has for you. Can you imagine today, can you imagine today your life completely healed and whole? Just for, for a couple of seconds, right? Can you, how would you look like if you were completely healed and whole? If you didn't have that anchor pulling you? How would you express yourself? How would you handle your finances? How would you be in your relationships, in your marriage, in your dating, in your single? Like, who would you be if you're completely whole? Can you imagine your life today not being afraid of getting hurt? Just picture that for a second. Imagine your life moving forward if you weren't afraid of getting hurt not feeling afraid for being wrong, not being afraid of being wronged. Can you imagine your life not afraid of losing? Can you picture, envision your life not trapped in your comfort zone? Can you picture your life just knowing that no matter what happens, like, like I can handle it. I can grow from this. God is with me. Could you feel certain fears and those fears not paralyze you? Can you imagine your life in this way? Can you imagine your life just without this anchor always pulling you back? It's possible. It's 100% possible. It's on the other side of healing. You know, as I was doing research for this, right, and it's, it's, psychology tells you and gives you practical pointers, right, and like running, exercising, like helps for healing, apparently. <laughs> Eating healthy, it's 
like, no wonder mindfulness doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Counseling, you know, like a lot of good practical things. But as I was reading those things, I was doing my research. I was like, man, how hopeless the world is. Because you work out and you don't heal. You eat healthier, try to. You don't heal. You go to counseling and that helps and you need, that's part of the process, but you don't fully heal. I was doing my research, it's like how hopeless the world is. Because it's different for us. That's a part of, but for us it's different because we know the healer. We know the hope. We have this father that is loving and caring that wants to heal you. This this God that we have, he never promised you're not going to go through the pain. You're not going to experience the damage. And that's one of the things that I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. Like, what the heck? You know, like, you could have done it different, man. Like, (laughs) I don't understand why. But he promised that he was going to be with us and walk us through that and heal. And there were things that got, he was going to do through it. But he never said, I'm going to help you avoid it. We have a father that cares too much, that wants to heal you and help you. He is the hope that we have in healing. Everything Absolutely everything is possible for you if you heal. So I just pray in the middle of this month that we're going through, as we're exploring healing, I I pray that there's something that rises up on the inside of you, a new level of hunger, a new level of thirst, a, a new level of, man, I need it. If on the other side of healing, there's everything I need, single people, your dating life blossoming, you know, like if on the other side of my financial status that I want, desire is heal, like I'm going to go after healing with all my heart, mind, and soul. So what that means is that if you're going to go after healing with your whole mind and Uh, heart and soul, that means that you're going after God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. Like, I pray that as a church community, there's a shift, right, because we're pursuing healing, so if we're pursuing healing, we're pursuing the healer. If you get into a bad car accident, break something, like, you are running, hopefully, to the hospital. You are moving everything you need. You don't care about your job. You don't care about nothing. I need to get well. And for us, that's running to Jesus. Doesn't matter what you need to do. Doesn't matter what priorities you need to realign, readjust. It doesn't matter what things you need to get over. You need to run to the one who can actually heal you. Church is not the healing. He is the healing. It's not the place that heals you. It is him that heals you. Can we run after him? Because on the other side of healing, there's absolutely everything that we need and desire. Today, I want to read something that I just found really fascinating. It's in Acts 7, verse 20, and it says, it's the story of Moses. If you're familiar with it, it's a great story. Uh, Go back and read it again. If you haven't, go at it in Exodus. But in Acts 7, 20, it mentions a little bit of Moses' story, and it says, At the time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes, his parents cared for him at home for three months when they had to abandon him. Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as his own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. He was powerful both in speech and in action. And the story of Moses is an incredible story in how God uses this man. He, this man was imperfect, surely a man that had many wounds. I mean, this man was abandoned in a river, in a basket, and Pharaoh's daughter pretty much was like, you know, in the river, saw a basket, there was a baby, it's like, who is that? You know, catching the baby, adopted him. Like, that is Moses' story. Like, surely he had some 
abandonment issues. He had some hurts. I mean, not only was that something defining for him, right, but he was brought up in an environment of Egyptians. He was a Hebrew. So it's different, you know? Like, he probably looked different. He was different. And he could see his, uh, you know, fellow people, right, like kind of over there, and he was over here, with this other group, with these other people. So he surely was brought up feeling like a misfit. He was raised as an Egyptian. He was raised as royalty, but surely someone throughout his life would tell him, you're naturally an Egyptian. You were abandoned. Someone got you. Surely Moses lived with some things in his heart, in his mind, knowing that he was brought up as royalty, but he wasn't royalty. This man was used by God in a mighty way. God chooses Moses, this man full of hurts, and his story again is incredible. I'm giving you a really short recap, but, but, but God chooses in a moment of desperation of a nation that cried out to God saying, God, we're enslaved, we need you, come and do something. And God listens to the prayer of this nation because something happens when God listens to heartbreak and devastation and, and, and need. This nation got together and said, God, we need you. Come and intervene. We need freedom. And I just want to encourage you again on the other side of healing. There's that freedom for you, but you need to desire that freedom. The same way Israel, Israel came together and said, we need you. Come intervene. They cried out to God moved right there. And sometimes God's just waiting for us to say, God, we need you. We desperately need you. Come and heal my broken heart. Come and heal those wounds that I've been carrying, small or big. There's nothing too small and there's nothing too big that God can't heal. The question is, are we saying, God, come and move in my life? So God comes and responds. And the way he responds to the desperation of this nation is by sending uh, and calling Moses. So in this fascinating moment, God calls Moses. There's a burning bush, literally fire, and Moses sees this thing, and out of nowhere, that fire and bush starts to speak, and that is God, and it's like a really bizarre, crazy way. I'm like, God, why didn't you, like, from heaven, an angel, like, like, why, I don't know why, I'm just saying, you know, those are the things that I ask myself, you know, but, but, but it's this moment, right, where, where God is calling Moses, right, God is calling Moses for just something crazy, I mean, Moses is gonna deliver a whole nation out of slavery, like, it's like if God, through a burning bush today, calls you to go and deliver, you know, the world from Russia, you know, you like, like, just crazy. It's this thing. It's this real thing. This nation is enslaved, and God's saying, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and I'm going to use you, and you're going to deliver this nation. And, and in this moment, like crazy, I can't even imagine. Imagine speaking to God himself. Imagine the feeling, the mo- like, it's just this powerful moment. Moses is in front of God. Moses is in front of healing. Moses is in front of truth. Moses is in front of his destiny. Moses is in front of his legacy. Moses is right in front of his purpose, his calling, his vision. Moses is right in front of this. And what just I find fascinating is his response to this moment. And I think his response to this moment shows us a response that we have in those moments that we can be in front of truth, those moments that we're in front of healing, those moments that we're in front of vision, those moments that we're in front of purpose, those moments that we're in front of God himself, it highlights the way we respond to them. In this moment, like, pretty much, Moses starts questioning himself. Moses starts questioning God. Moses starts doubting God, doubting himself. Well, if you're calling me to do this thing, like, how are people going to believe me? And God in his grace, I don't understand why God 
response and this having this conversation with Moses. If I were God, which clearly I'm not, I would be like, okay, next. You know, like, you're debating with me. You're questioning me. You're, like, not believing that I want to do what I want to do. Okay, who's next? You know, like, this guy's just like, like, I'm here, bro. Like, I'm in a burning bush, like, speaking to you, and you're, like, questioning me. Like, what in the world? Like, what do you mean? Like, who is sending? Like, I am God that's sending you. I am who I am. So it's this crazy moment, and God is responding to, to, to Moses, and they're having this conversation, and, and it's crazy, you know, that every single question or doubt or hesitation that Moses has, God responds. And God responds over and over and over and over again to the point of Moses, like, well, like, give me a sign to give them a sign. Okay, you have a staff in your hand, throw it to the floor, it's going to turn into snakes. Like, God's being creative here, and I'm like, this guy, man, is not getting it. I'm like, I need to do some crazy stuff. Like, I'm going to turn that staff into a snake, you know, like, like, I don't know why, you know, it's God in his desperation, I think, like, let's see what that, that gets him. And there was like, just imagine having a stick and just God, God speaking to you and saying, throw it to the floor, and it turns into a snake, grab the tail, and it goes back into a stick, you know? It's like, if all the debate, if that's not convincing you, like, well, that surely will convince me, you know? That doesn't convince him. God's like, dear Lord, man, you know, like, oh, that's me, okay, dear Lord. Like, <laughs> He's like, well, stick your hand into your coat and, and stick it out, and it was, like, all shiny, like, whatever, like, it looked really weird, like, stick it back again, and it's back to normal, like, and that doesn't get him. Because, well, if they don't believe you with those signs, like, throw water on the floor and the whole uh, Nile River is going to turn to blood. That doesn't until finally Moses, what was inside of Moses comes out disguised as a weakness. So what ends up happening in Exodus 4 is that, again, after all of this, Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether, a person's, uh, whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in that way. And what to say, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. It's like, wait, Acts 4.22. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. Like, is he powerful in speech and action? Or... Is he not good with words? Like, what is it? Like, what is it? Like, what's going on here? There's two, there's two realities. Moses is stuck in between his upbringing as royalty, as an Egyptian, being powerful in speech and action, and he's stuck in between that and his emotional wounds that he didn't feel he was good enough, that he felt he wasn't worthy. He was stuck in two realities, his emotional reality and his factual reality. And I believe this is something that God wants to shine in us because sometimes when we are right in front of purpose, vision, healing, we bring our weakness forth, our excuses forth, our blaming forth, our victim mentality forth, and we say, anyone else, I'm going to stay right here in my poverty mentality. I'm going to stay here with my abandonment issues. I'm going to stay here with my trust issues. I'm going to stay here with my control freak self. I'm going to stay here in all these different wounds and things that have defined me, that I've defined myself. I'm going to stay right here. And it doesn't matter if fireworks, God speaking through this, that, or the other, like we're going to Stay right here, stuck in between what God could do through you 
and what God is doing right now. Everything you want is on the other side of healing. Can I share this thought with you? There's two realities. One reality is the factual reality. The facts, the reality. He was adopted, but he was embraced in royalty. He was educated and raised by the best of the best. He had confidence. He had authority. He was royalty. He was adopted into this family of royalty. Different destiny for his life. Different everything. He was powerful in speech and action. The second reality is the emotional reality. The way he perceived the things, the story he told himself, the story he told himself, the narrative he created for himself, he created this narrative that he was abandoned, that he wasn't wanted, that he was a misfit, that he was rejected, that he didn't belong, that he was adopted by royalty, but he wasn't royalty, that he wasn't worthy, that he wasn't enough. What story are you telling yourself today? When you're confronted by life, when you're confronted by your daily situations, the things that you live that are really real, what story, what narrative are you telling yourself? See, when we become the victim, and I'm not minimizing anything that happened to you, I'm not minimizing, I'm preaching to myself, things that happened to me, that were done to me. We have no power or control over those things. Zero power or control. But what we do have power is the narrative and the story that we're going to create out of those situations that are really real and painful. You control the narrative that you're going to give yourself. When we are the victim, we're giving the power to the other person. We're giving the power of our story to other people. You know, I realize, and this is something that God is doing in me, that all the things that I always blame my parents for, all the things that I always blame my parents for, for my upbringing, all those things, I gave those things power. They were real. But I realized that the damage that was greater wasn't the things they did to me. It was the story that I created for myself. That was the most damaging thing. And I forgave them and have done that many times, but I have never forgiven myself for the story I have told myself for many, many years. Can I encourage you today? You have power over your story. You have power over your narrative. You have power over how you choose to decide to move forward from here and on. Can I encourage you today that that power doesn't come from your own strength and cuteness. That power comes because God is with you. God is for you. And the Bible says that you can do absolutely all things through him who strengthens you. So you need God's strength to change this story, to change this narrative, to go after healing and the healer himself, respond to him and allow him to not only cut the chains of the anchor, but for him to attach you to another anchor, that his anchor is hope, his anchor is blessings, his anchor is good for you and for me. Come on, can I encourage you today that you can change the story that you have told yourself? Today, I'm not giving you the answer, so to speak. You need to go and do the homework of digging. What power was I giving to the CEO of the airport? <laughs> you know what that just... That just gave me an excuse. That just gave me an excuse to tell my wife it was the CEO of the airport. It wasn't my fault. And isn't it so easy to play victim? Because then you have an excuse. You have an excuse. Sorry for being so honest, but I love you. But you have an excuse to be stuck. 
If you're the victim, you have an excuse to be stuck. Who are you if you don't have that excuse? Then you take ownership. Then you take responsibility. Then you take the hard work of going after the healer and actually change. Can I just encourage you today? Can, can, can something just rise up on the inside of your life? I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Victim over my story. Victim over the things that happened to me. Victim over my circumstances. Victim over my position. Victim over this, that, and the other. God, in his grace, gave you free will for you to choose and for you to do and for you to move. Like I mentioned in the beginning, we all have emotional damage, and it shapes us, defines us, and moves us. So can I encourage us today, if it's small or big, but can we go after healing? I'm going to ask Corey, Corey to come and give as we close today. So how do we heal? How do we heal? In short, we need to invite God into our emotional reality. You need to invite God into your emotional reality. And this is something that we do when we come to God. We create a third reality. We have our factual reality. We have our emotional reality. But then we create this convenient reality. And where we invite God is into our convenient reality. What is it convenient for you to invite God into? Well, if it's about hell, like, okay, God, I'm in, you know, like, come, I don't want to go to hell. Like, come, I invite you in, save me, be my lifeboat. Like, you know, that's our convenient reality. Like, I'm going to have God, but just in the not going to hell part, you know. But, like, when he goes into all that purity and holiness stuff, like, let's leave that somewhere else. We create this convenient reality where that's where we invite God to operate. Well, if it's about purity, well, let's just stay in the emotional reality and I'll just be struggling with lust all my life. Well, if it's the poverty, right, and if it's the finances, well, that's not really convenient, right, like the way my budget works. So I'm not going to invite you to that reality. I'm just going to keep you in my emotional reality where I've had generations and generations of poverty. Like I'm going to invite you, God, wherever it's convenient for me. Like, I'm going to invite you when I pray if you're single for my future spouse. They're like, man, like, God, come, you move heaven and earth, right? I'm going to invite God into the areas and the spaces that are convenient. I'm going to invite God to every single meal, you know? Like, God, thank you for this meal. Amen. I'm going to invite God where it's convenient, and we start to pick and choose. And we have this list of depression, relationship, singleness, hell, kids, family, Thanksgiving, meal. And we, we have this list, right? Anger, workaholism. We, we choose, where am I going to invite God in? Bitterness, I need that right now. You're, you're, you have an in here, God. Like right now, I'm struggling with anger. Like, God, please, Lord, be my peace, you know? <laughs> Google all verses about peace, you know? Like, <laughs> Like, we choose. We choose. Well, right now, lust is getting a hold of me. Like, okay, God, I need you. Like, help me. Like, help me in this area. With my parents, God, they need you. So, yes, come into this area. There's some addictions that I'm not liking in this season of my life. So, God, come into my addiction. But just this addiction, okay? Like, not everything. And we start having our relationship with God in our convenient reality. And God in his grace, he operates in it. But you're limiting yourself. You're getting stuck between that anchor of brokenness and hurt and stuck in between this anchor of hope and blessings and promises for you. And you move a little bit forward, but you get stuck. 
and you go back to the side and God doesn't let you, so he brings you back. But what would happen if you just say, God, I invite you into my factual reality. And the factual reality says that God is with you every single day of your life, and he has been. He has never left you or abandoned you. That is the fact. God has been there in the best and the worst all along. That is a fact. He loves you through it all. What happens if we invite him into our factual, our emotional, and our convenient reality? God comes and transforms you. God comes and transforms absolutely everything about you. You stop defining yourself with all this emotional baggage. Can we stand today and invite him today if you want? If you want. Can you invite him today to every single part of your reality? Hebrews 6 says, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Come on, you have a hope and his name is Jesus. And he's strong and tr trustworthy anchor. As we close our eyes today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, and you have been doing life away from him. And today you just feel I need to give my life back to him. Because it was his to begin with. If that's you, no one's looking. Just raise your hand and say, God, I invite you into my life. Come and take a hold of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I invite you into my life, into my reality. Come and heal, restore, and change Today you're ready to invite God. You're here and you're ready to invite God into every single area of your life. You want to invite him into your emotional reality. Can you just raise your hands up to heaven and say, God, you can have it all. You can have all of my heart, all of my life. You can have absolutely all my hurts, all my wounds, not only some of them. Not only some of them today have it all, Lord. Have it all, Lord. Heal, restore the same way you freed a whole nation from slavery. Can you free me from my hurts and wounds? Can you heal me, God, of those things that have caused doubt and pain? Can you take me on the journey, Lord, of healing? Heal, Lord, broken hearts. Come and do, God, what only you can do in our hearts. Have it all, Lord. This morning, we run to the healer. We run to so many other places. We seek so many other things. But today, we thank you that when two or more gather, you're right there. And we know that you're right here. Thank you that you're surrounding every single heart. 
thank you, Lord, that today is a new beginning and a new change. We invite you to every area of our lives. There's nothing untouched for you, Lord. You can have it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you all so much for joining us today. I am... I really encourage you, though, like, do the, do the homework. Meditate, ponder, and, and really see what are the things that God wants to heal. But, hey, we love you all so much. Say hi to someone uh, and grab some coffee. Love you all. Have an awesome Sunday. If you enjoyed today's message, please subscribe, like, and share. It helps more than you know. Also, if you'd like to be a part of the Somos Church giving family, you can do so today by going to somoschurch.cc slash give. Thanks so much for joining us. We're praying for you and we hope you have an amazing day.